podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world, whatever you're doing. And welcome to an EPL Index special, guys. So, yeah, this one is the first in our series of fans' feelings. Now, it's funny being a rival fan, isn't it? We think we know, we hear things on the various platforms, your Skies, your Nevilles, your Carragers. But what is the actual truth? Because we all love one team, we can't watch them all in depth. And this is our first, ladies and gents, to actually speak to the fans to get the real answers to the big questions that are going on at the moment. And I am delighted to say we've got Everton fan with us, Elliot. Elliot, how are we? Yeah, not too bad. Thanks for having me. Be interested in this one because, Elliot, I mean, just to, to bring this to the table straight away, I mean, looking on the outside, and we always ask about the first one, we think your, your honest gut feeling as things stand right now. Everton, it's always been a club that's had things going on off the field, on the field could bring dramas, and it just seems in the sort of the the last season, the last season and a half, especially with the off the field dramas, it's almost reaching a crescendo, shall we say, now. I mean, just to your raw, honest feelings, what are your general feelings around the club right now and how everything's going? It's a, it's a strange one, really. I think if you'd asked me six months ago, I would have said that, you know, um, over the course of my time being an Everton fan, we were at rock bottom. It was just horrendous in every every sense, off the pitch, on the pitch. Um, and, you know, everyone wants their team to be talked about in the media, but maybe not quite so as much as uh, we have been in the uh, the last couple of years. It's uh, really It's been a really torrid time. And I think um, if we see improvements on the pitch at all, it's, you know, a, a shining light through the darkness because it's been grim. It's not been very fun. Um, and as we'll get on to talk about all the um, the stories that are going around at the moment and the issues they have as a club, it's... Uh, yeah, it's it's not great. Um, but I think, fortunately, we are showing certain signs on the pitch that is uh, lifting the mood slightly. And, um, and you know, that is everything at the moment. Yeah, which which is understandable because everything in context, uh, it's been good the last three games, if you look at the results overall. And obviously, yeah, in case you're wondering, people, we are going to talk almost like 777, the investment, the stadium, all those things. So, we will get Elliot's truth, Elliot's raw insights on those. So I suppose on the pitch at the moment, obviously it was, I mean, especially you look to that that result against Brighton, so close, but for that unlucky mm-hmm. deflection. But it's one of those I'm looking from the outside and I'm thinking it's not bad in the table. But, you know, there's a little bit of a gap between the relegation zone. There's probably a bit of a, I don't know, gutteredness that Lewin snatched that point, didn't they? It could have even been more against Liverpool and no rivals that way. But unbeaten in the the last three, on the pitch, just when we focus on that, how do you almost think the, the team are performing? Because we keep hearing dice ball. That's the thing we hear in media, dice ball. How are this team actually performing against what you probably honestly expected at the start of the season? I think it's it's pretty in line with what we expected. You know, people, as you say, talk about dice ball. He's uh, very compact. He likes to play direct. And that's what we're doing. But I think the, the biggest sort of improvement is that we have been looking a lot more defensively assured in the last couple of weeks. Um, yeah. The game against Brighton, for example, uh, it was a you know a fluke goal that actually own goal was really unfortunate. But other than that, we restricted a team that are you know known for their attacking prowess down to virtually nothing. They had a couple of chances, but 
other than that, it you know there wasn't an awful lot going on, and that's been the case in the last couple of weeks against Burnley in the Cup, and certainly against West Ham in the league uh, before that. So we have looked a lot more solid and compact. And even though we're not playing attractive football that people are excited about and the attacking play is still limited somewhat, um, I think, you know, we're certainly showing improvements. And um, I think, you know, and inevitably you're always going to get people that are disappointed that Dyche isn't more proactive and he doesn't come with more of an aggressive plan. But that's just not who he's ever been. You know, at Burnley he was known for the style that we're now implementing. And I think ultimately, if we're getting results, I don't care how we play. I, I would rather grind out a one nil win and play pretty yeah. poorly, but make sure we are we've got a good shape and, and, and we're um playing the way we should be playing. Um I, I take that all day long. So I've I've certainly had my reservations around Dice, but I think at the moment we're certainly seeing the right signs that are suggesting that there is a plan in place and we are heading in the right direction. Yeah, absolutely. I think probably a, a view, I, I do want to put this to you. And again, this could be and then challenge it, feel it's a lazy punditry style. I think the outside view tends to be, like you said, the the pragmatic approach of Daesh, sometimes lazy, that, that long ball. But the Everton, the way they set up are almost like a, an away team, so to speak. Mm-hmm. They're designed to counter-attack and they've done well at containing. Like you look at the West Ham game, Liverpool really late on, but then again at home. There's that thing where, you know, beaten by Luton. Is that a fair assessment or is that just being a bit lazy, would you say? Um, I certainly think part of it is fair because I think, uh, you know, going into the season, Everton had such a poor year last year and we didn't have an awful lot of finances in the summer to recruit in the way we perhaps would have wanted to. Yeah. So you come into the season knowing, OK, we've got three teams that have just come up. We The, the aim essentially is to stay above them. Um, we're not going to come top half. We're not going to challenge for Europe. So if we have to play dogged and and really sort of grind out results then then so be it so you know the fact that we approach games that like an away team you know i think i think we had a 18 percent possession or 20 percent possession against brighton um over the weekend so we certainly we certainly sit back and, and and invite the pressure and try and defend um but i think you have to play with you know what you've got um daesh i imagine would love to be um someone who takes an aggressive approach and, and dominates teams, but we don't have those players and we don't have the money to get those players. So, you know, I, I'm pretty pleased with the way we're playing given what we've got. And, you know, in the future, yeah. if you're looking at five years down the line and Dice is still here and we're still playing the same football and we're still basically being the away team in every game, then there's an issue. But right now, I don't think anyone can have many um, qualms with it. That's fair enough. Yeah. Horses for courses, so to speak at the moment, yeah. a little bit and what needs to be done. I mean, when, and when we look at on the outside at Everton players, that you think are the natural standout, Pickford always seems to get media attention for for various reasons. And then you look at others, Calvert Lewin tends to be the standout, that you know the the great hope up front, but seems to be injured a lot. I mean, again, would you say that that's sort of a bit of laziness, or is there a case of we're sleeping on other players? Would you say at Everton at the moment? The Pickford one um, does baffle me. I'll be honest, I, I'm. I remember going years back, Pickford didn't have the best start to life at Everton and I was quite keen on the fact that, you know, he probably wasn't the long-term number one. We need to find someone new. But for the last four or five years, he's been brilliant and it really confuses me. Well, it doesn't confuse me because I know a lot of people don't watch Everton week to week, but it it frustrates me when you see people talk about the England debate. Should he be starting over Aaron Ramsdale or is Nick Pope the the, the first choice? Um, Is he good enough at all? Do Everton need to replace him? Jordan Pickford, He's, he's he's a little bit erratic at times and, and everyone knows that. 
but the points he saved Everton, uh, especially in the last two years, are immeasurable. Like his importance is is unbelievable. So, I you know I, it frustrates me that he's such a talking point because he should just be known as uh, Everton's strongest player and and, and whatnot. And Calvert Lewin, um, he's unfortunate really because I think his injuries have really plagued him this season yeah. so far. He's turned a new leaf, it seems, and he looks fit and he looks sharp and he's playing well. And we can only hope that that continues. But um, I think in terms of the other players, you know, as I said, Everton, you know, we struggle on the best of days uh, to perform cohesively and, and mm. um, to, to look as compact as we do. So I think in recent weeks, like Vitaly Mikolenko has looked really sharp. Yeah. James Garner's been a good start to the season. Um, but I think, you know, overall, there isn't anyone that you really want to scream their names from the rooftops. Um I'd like to see that. I'd like to see Arno Danjuma kick on or Jack Harrison build up a, a good run of games or perhaps Beto starts starting more games and he can start scoring more goals. But at the moment, there isn't anyone you want to you want to scream about. But there's also no one that I'm looking at and thinking, oh, you are letting us down every week or you are dreadful and, and you know you are costing us points. I mm. think as a, as a group, they're all doing a really good job um, at doing what they're what they need to do. So I'm, yeah, I think. Um, Hopefully, in the next couple of weeks, we'll see some more standout stars, especially because we've got some tough games coming up in December. And that, that when I'm thinking on the pitch, especially when I look at the run of fixtures, it is a lot of the uh, the big boys home and away, isn't it, so to speak, mm-hmm. coming up for Everton. I mean, I don't want to sort of jump to the end of the season because we'll come on to that a bit later, but sort of by the end of the Christmas period, the festive period, sort of into the new year, is there a, is there a hope or an expectation? Because, again, the lazy bit would say, Everton fans at the moment will be happy with sort of finishing 17th or above, but are you looking more upwards? Um, do you know what? I would have said at the beginning of, beginning of the summer, if we could have got in all the right targets and all the right players, then yes, let's try and push on forward 12th, 11th, 10th, maybe even creep into the top half. Mm-hmm. But the fact that we're still so cash-strapped and we're still struggling for players means that I would take 17th. I would like it not to be so close as it was last year yeah, so I don't want it to go down to the wire but if if there's um if you offered me 17th now I'd, I'd gladly take it and I think uh you know perhaps if if the investment comes in next summer or even in January um mm. if we can try and find more players and we can try and kick on then the whole conversation changes but as of now I'm under no illusions that we've got this great team that has the opportunity to push on so okay. yeah if you if you could give me 17th I, I'd definitely take it Fair enough. And yeah, it will be interesting to see, especially after that that period of tough games coming up where they sit. And which probably leads us to the off the pitch because the, almost a, the front page headlines, it feels from the outside as much as the, the back page with Everton. I mean, there's the, the 777 potential takeover, potential investment. Obviously, we've had the latest update that the two of the, the members of that, that company that have joined the board should pass their fit and proper persons test, which seems to be going on for an awful long time in all honesty, but maybe that's mm. a, a different part to the discussion. We're also having the the chat and I'm sure that that's kind of lingering around the, the potential recommendation from the Premier League of the 12 point deduction, the talk about the other clubs suing all those types of things. It almost seems like there's more drama off the pitch again from the outside than, than there is, is it? So I want to, I want to sort of break that down. And also I do want to start and I feel like it, a really important place because Recently, there was that tragic passing of Sir Bill Kenwright, who I think, and you can correct me from this, from the outside, it feels like the last 18 months, maybe two years, I could have my time frame wrong, 
didn't go how all Evertonians wanted to, especially him and the way it went. But at this moment, especially, you know, everyone looks back and thinks, dedicated Evertonian, a massive man for the club. Is that a fair assessment of where the fans sit? Yeah, it is. And if I'm honest, I was really surprised um, at how strong the outpouring of love for him was when he passed. And mm. uh, not that he didn't deserve it, but actually, you're right. The feeling around um, the board and Ken Wright in specific has been really, really rough the last couple of years, especially because he came out and stoked the flames and basically said, oh, you know, we've had some good times um, when we were in the mire and we were, you know, on the verge of being yeah. relegated. So I think... That's why there were so many protests towards the end of the season. They wanted everyone wanted the entire board gone, including Kenwright. And I think when Fahad Mashiri made that decision but kept Kenwright on, there was a lot of pain still because people thought, well, you're, you're not, you're still betraying us. You're not doing what we need you to do. Kenwright wasn't in the position to take the club forward. He wasn't helping matters as far as we could see from the outside. Um, so I think it's amazing, really, that no one, or at least I didn't see anyone being disrespectful or anyone rejoicing in his in his passing which would obviously be horrific he's um done so much for the club over the years and even though he perhaps didn't make the best decisions and he didn't take the club where we wanted him to take it he's always had the club at you know the, the best interest of the club have always been at his heart he's always wanted evidence to succeed and you can see that every time he ever spoke about the club he had so much Definitely. passion in his voice and he clearly loved um being a part of Everton Football Club so um, yeah, it, it's such a, it's, it's a really sad passing. It's even sadder to me that he couldn't have gone out on top, that he couldn't have stood back a couple of years ago and, and been revered more than he ultimately will be. But um, I, I certainly don't think there's any, um, I certainly don't think that anyone can doubt the fact that he was a massive Evertonian and, and that, you know, he, he really did care for the club. Yeah, I think that that's beyond any sort of debate, absolutely. And it was, it was great from the outside perspective to see those kind of, tributes the different things for mm-hmm. Silver Kem Wright. So that was a, a nice element, definitely. On the other side, and you mentioned there, Mashiri. I mean, we look from the outside and we think, came in with big promise. And obviously there's, there's debate over who the funds were. Was he backed by an ugly arc, all that type of thing. But ever since he's come in, a lot of signings, a lot of money spent, as the, the famous net spend table says. I mean, even the the peaks around when Ancelotti was there, that type of thing. And now it almost seems like you said, you think about the protests almost being hounded out, almost bad money after good being spent, signings not working. I mean, again, that's the outside perspective that everyone just wants him gone. Is that a fair assessment of where Evertonians sit right now? Yeah, definitely. I think it's a a pretty unilateral feeling that everyone's (laughs) having. It was great initially because, you know, Kenroy didn't have a lot of money. And Mashiri came in, and as you said, he could he could bankroll us. We could finally spend yeah. big funds. But I don't know what it is about certain people thinking that they should be involved in every transaction. From what we can gather, Mashiri's been the kind of owner who has had a had a say in uh, every transfer dealing we've ever done. Yeah. Um, so when we brought Marcel Brands in to be director of football, he was mm. completely uh, sidelined half the time because Mashiri had his ideas. Mashiri had his players in order to sign. Um, Brands was trying to work within a certain wage structure and Mashiri promised to pay James Rodriguez, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of pounds a week. So it's been really difficult. And I think the the lack of communication has been a real sort of uh, stucking point as well. Um, He has been very difficult to get a hold of. And certainly last January when he came out and promised us, you know, I will get you the striker. We need need a new striker. We will get one. And we made Mm. no signings. We sold Anthony wow. Gordon for 40 million. 
made not a single signing. It was a real betrayal. And I think people are, are fed up with the way he's mismanaged the club, the way he has um, basically overspent. And, and that's cost us big time that we've now sold um, over the last, I think, two years. We've sold many players for decent funds and we've seen none mm-hmm. of it invested. Because um, I think it's worth mentioning that in the summer, we signed y- uh, Yusuf Chimiti from Sporting Lisbon and Beto from Udinese. But yeah. both of those, even though they cost, I think, a combined 30, 35 million between them, both of those players had their payment deferred to next summer. So we haven't wow. spent any money in the summer, um, really. I think, if I remember correctly, the only money we actually spent in the summer was on the loan agreement with Arno Danjuma. So it's been one of those things where, uh, and I obviously will lead on to it with the, the potential points deduction, but it's really frustrating when everyone comes at Everton for their financial issues when we're not getting any benefit out of it. Mashiri is really sort of draining the club of all their resources. And um, that's why even though the 777 thing, people have their concerns, it's still potentially a good idea because just there's no there's no um, love for Mashiri on, on Merseyside. Yeah, and that that was what I was going to ask because, like you say, it, it looks that way from the outside that everyone wants him gone. There's almost, though, is it better the devil you know? Because it, it seems right there to come on to the, the 777 partners because when the first takeover talk, you can understand like any club, it looks from the outside like, great, Everton want you owners, the existing owner wants gone, he seems a bit cash-strapped, you know, it works for everyone. Then 77 come, 777 sorry, come forward. And then the almost the people start doing due diligence themselves, don't they, and research, and mm. things come out the woodwork around standardly age, payments not being made, the other clubs, that type of thing. And almost the way they structure it, like move the money around, again, from the outside, there's that bit of suspicion almost. But at the same time, what we're hearing is 777, they're paying the bills because Mashiri isn't it at the moment. You know, mm. they're loaning the money, the club money for wages, even to get yeah. the, the stadium, which we'll come on to as, as well finished at the same time. Is it is it got to that stage now where Everton is like, let's just, whatever we think or whatever unsure, just get these boys in because we want Mashiri out. Is that where it's at? I think it's a tough one, really, because it, it very much is, uh, we're stuck between a rock and a hard place. I yeah. think uh, you're right that the devil you know, at least you know that Mashiri, while incompetent and while struggling for cash, you know it's not going to get potentially worse. You don't know what 777 would bring. And there was all this talk around um, Josh Wanda's former uh, criminal conviction, which to me is not really a concern at all. It's just the fact that, you're right, he owns, or 777 own um, a a multitude of clubs under a, you know, uh, this kind of system that I've never really understood. I've never understood how you can just funnel money between one and and the other. priority who are you if you've got money to invest who is it going to is it going to standard liaise or is it going to his clubs in in germany or spain or, or what are we doing here i don't i don't really understand it so um you know I, also it doesn't help the fact that that liaise were protesting before start yeah. of the season just wanted gone so that is never a good sign uh that an incoming uh potential owner is already being chased out of his um his other clubs so um i don't know i don't know it's it's it speaks to how tough it's been as an Everton fan that I think a lot of fans are getting to the point where they think, I don't care. I don't, I just, we want money to spend on players. We need to improve. Mm-hmm. And yes, it might not be a very good thing for the long term, um, future of the club and we might end up regretting it, but it's so grim at the moment and it's kind of depressing 
So I think a lot of people are thinking, right, well, if this is a positive change, let's try and be positive. Let's try and look past the red flags yeah. and just hope that it works out for us in the long run. Because it almost can't be any worse than how it is at the moment. Would that be a fair assessment? Yeah, it's just uh, it's just unpleasant. And I think certainly when we stayed up by the skin of our teeth two years ago, people thought, right, that was a really grim season. We almost got relegated. That will never happen again. We cannot allow that to happen again. And then last season was even worse. Um, and it was even more bleak. And I think that's why the protests against the board and the owner became as, as intense as they were, because people were thinking, I don't know how you've taken a club that were consistently 7th, 8th, ninth, wherever we were, just outside the uh, the big six. Yeah. And, and now we are barely a Premier League club. We're certainly one of the worst Premier League clubs um, on the pitch. And, and we are by far and away the worst club off the pitch. So... Um, yeah, it, it's it's not been very fun. So I think if seven 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 can come in and try and course correct and, and get the ship moving in the right direction, then we have to see that as a positive. Yeah, and th- that is what I wanted to ask because if they do come in steer the ship, I mean, Christ, this is almost cheesy, but they've got some icebergs facing them, haven't they? The wage yeah, bill, yeah. the stadium funds, and probably the one we, we've got to talk about is, as we understand it, the Premier League's made that recommendation that Everton should face a points deduction, apparently. Again, it's rumoured. There's no official statement yet. It's important to say that, but up to 12 points, apparently. And obviously, I'm sure you were going to come on to this. I'm sure you've got your thoughts on that, especially when there's another club facing 115 charges that seems to have gone quiet. But then the other element to it, it almost feels like I'm building a drama here, like a series. But this is what we're also seeing or hearing that the other Premier League clubs could be potentially even suing Everton or looking to sue Everton based on you know the, the findings of this report. I mean, Christ, unpack this for us, Elliot. Where do we start on this one? Where do, where do we start? Uh, yeah, it's... Um, I mean, it almost feels like the Premier League are trying to kick us while we're down. Um, and I, I know it's not technically the rules. This isn't how the system works. But it is mm. so much more frustrating when you look into it and think, Man City have broken all these rules and they've got all these charges, allegedly. And they are flourishing. They won the treble last year. They're probably going to win the league again this year. Um, whereas, what have Everton gained from their alleged breach of financial... We, we're not improving. We, we're not a good side. We're still in the mire. Um, mm. And Everton maintained that they um, that everything they did was above board and the Premier League signed off on everything. So, it's interesting to think, you know, someone's obviously being dishonest in that in that situation. But I also think it's it's really frustrating that the Premier League, you know, it's an independent um, commission that is is looking over the case. The Premier League recommending the 12-point deduction. I don't know why the Premier League yeah. are getting involved. And um, as you said, lots of clubs are interested in suing Everton, Leeds and Leicester being two of those, who obviously yeah. feel that they've been aggrieved by the fact that we've stayed up and they've gone down. Um, and it's just, it's just a really bad situation. And it does feel like things, you know, when we start to look up and things go right on the pitch and maybe we might get these new investors and, and they could be the right thing for the club. We're then hit by that hammer blow. And um, it, I think at the moment, the independent commission has finished their findings and it's basically, we're just on a, and it's a waiting game now to find out what happens. And if I'm honest, it would not surprise me if we were punished because it just seems like that is what's in the stars for Everton at the moment. Everything that could go wrong does go wrong. Every time we could be punished, we have been punished yeah. on the first days, and I feel like you know inevitably we'll get that point deduction, and it's just so frustrating. And obviously, I can't speak to whether it's legitimate and whether it, I, I don't know all the behind the scenes details, but it, it would it wouldn't surprise me because of the way Mashiri runs a club. You 
tend to get a, a mental picture of what he's like as a businessman. And, and that could be me being completely out of pocket, but it's just the way I see things. And, um, you know, it wouldn't, it would not surprise me if Everton have cut corners in some way, but I'm really hoping that that isn't the case and that the independent commission basically get, let us off with a warning. Um, because if we do get that 12 point deduction, then I, I don't see any way we claw out our way out of that. I think that will be Everton's time in the Premier League done. And that would be a real, real problem. Yeah, because it, it is fascinating, you know, almost like like you said, a, a positive start and recent form from where it's been. That 12 points deduction, I mean, to take you into, like say, I'm at a minus points total. I know that the ones in the relegation zone are on the highest. No one's in double figures there, but it, it would just feel like a, a real knock-on effect, so to speak, mm-hmm. a real, really sort of change things, as it were, from the outside. I mean, that element, as you said, the way it's thing, there's all this talk and you look at the articles Newspapers saying football's you know needs to toughen up or an independent regulator, the political aspects of the Crouch report and all that. Is there a bit of Everton fans that feel, especially when you mention another club with 115 charges, we are being made an example of here to sort of the Premier League can then get involved to show, oh, we're toughening up, we are doing things right, we're being unfairly selected as the experiment to show the rest, basically. It certainly feels like, like that, especially because Man City are such a good advert for the Premier League. And I think if the Premier League are looking at the clubs, they think, oh, we, want, we, do, we don't want to shadow uh, what Man City have done with all these alleged things that they've been accused of. Um, if mm. they are this, this dominant force in Europe and they're currently the, the, the champions of Europe, it looks good in the Premier League and it looks good um, for them not to clamp down hard on them. And it does seem ridiculous from the outside. How can you possibly be that? determined to punish Everton when they've had one charge, whether it's how, no matter how big that charge might be, it's still one charge compared to over a hundred from Man City. So yeah, it's just, I mean, Everton for a long time, or Everton fans, should I say for a long time have felt like the club has been scapegoated. Um, certainly by Sky Sports and there's been uh, some animosity towards the Liverpool Echo in the past. Yeah. And I think a lot of Everton fans are convinced or, or at least, you know, feel like there is, a bias against the club and that people don't appreciate or respect the club as they should. So, yeah, I mean, it all adds up. And I think over the years, there's been enough incidences where you think, Christ, we just, no one's ever going to give Everton the, the respect that we're due as a founding member of the Football League and as one of the, the six clubs never to be relegated from the Premier League. Um, not that that matters in the grand scheme of things, but it, it certainly feels like, um, you know, we, uh, we're always at the, br- the, the brunt end of the, um, the bad decisions and uh, if we do end up getting punished it, it would just be completely typical of um, what we've come to expect over, over the last couple of years yeah it, it does seem that way and it'd be interesting this even if there was a points deduction it could well be set for uh, and I know you're not thinking this or hoping this but a final day thriller especially the way the season's going but probably the the last thing I want to talk about because it does seem like the shining light for Everton fans and it, again from the outside the stadium, Brantley Moor, you know, there's regular updates. It does seem to be almost a, I don't know, a holy grail, something to to cling on to. Are we reading that too much or re- reading into that too much from the outside? Or is it a case of, yeah, if we get this stadium, this improves the income, this is what's really attracted 777 to come in. It can really take us to a next level. Is that a fair assessment, would you say? Um, it's another tough one, really. I think, I think, the general consensus around the stadium changes. I think everyone is in agreement that it looks amazing, or, or at least you know what we've seen so far looks amazing. The potential mm. answer for what it could be look amazing, 
and it would be fantastic to play in a in, in a really high tech and, and and you know advanced and modern stadium yeah. on the waterfront. It looks beautiful. Um, I've been to see it, and and it does look amazing. The location of it, but you then have the the, the flip side, which is where are we going to be playing when we're in that stadium? Are we going to be in the championship? Are we going to be in the Premier League? Are we going to? It's one of those things where I think ten years ago. It's what Everton were crying out for. I mean, just couldn't get it. And there was loads of different, you know, I think it was one in Kirkby and one in Walton Hall that just didn't, mm. they fell apart and we couldn't get that new move. Um, and now it's at the time where it just seems like the, the last thing we need. Um, and I, I can see why people from the outside might think, right, well, Everton fans are probably hoping that once they get into the stadium, things will change and they'll be able to attract the players. But it's, it's yeah. not really about that because it's, it's about the finances of the club and how the clubs run. Um, if we had a competent owner, we had you know money coming in, then I'd feel amazing about the stadium. I think fantastic, we're on the right track. But so many other things are going wrong that the stadium is really the least of my concerns. And it it's become a bit of a meme at the moment that when Everton have a bad result or if there's bad news in the in the press, that Everton will put out a statement on the uh, stadium to try and keep morale high. Right. And it it just seems a little bit disingenuous and. And as much as I'm looking forward to being in the new stadium, and I, I can't wait to see what it looks like when it's finished, there is still that trepidation of can we sort of get our ducks in order first before we start looking at where we're going to be in the in the next couple of years. Yeah, and probably the the final bit on that because I, I, I think it is right to sort of bring this to the table. You look at stadium moves. You think West Ham, obviously, they wanted to to move the owners, etc. A lot of backlash, wasn't there, when they moved from Upton Park and talk about the gap, not the same atmosphere. Is there, that, is there those kind of unilateral worries for Evertonians that, A, we could have spent that money on players rather than pumping the money into the stadium, and B, a case of Goodison Park is one of them old-school stadiums, as you know. It's right on top of you. It brings that atmosphere, which means when it's good, it can be rocking. When the fans are not happy, it can shrink the, you know, the blue shirts in front of them, but it still carries that kind of power. Yeah. So is there those two elements that have we just pumped money into the wrong place and do we lose that? Is that on your uh, sort of wavelength at all or are we just getting that wrong? I don't think it is, actually. I think that's one of the um, the, the things that a lot of people agree on is that Goodison Park, as amazing as it is, and as so many people are, are will be sad to see it go, we need that modernisation. Goodison Park is obviously extremely old, and you can tell that when you're in the stadium. And it's one of those things where if we're going to go into the modern era and we're going to try and compete, um, obviously this is looking way into the future, but a couple of years ago, it was, you know, a couple of years ago we were in Europe and we were looking at potentially breaking the top four at some point in the future. If we're going to do that, we need to have the best facilities. And that stadium is something that we've been missing for a long, long time. Um, and you are right about the atmosphere being amazing at Gunnison Park and it, it's like a bear pit when we're on top. And you do look at, the West Ham situation, I think we don't want to lose what is the soul of the club and, and, and whatnot. But we're lucky that the um, the architects that have been building um, the new stadium have been very um, maybe very involved in the community and they've been mm. making sure that they speak. I think it's Dan Meese was the, um, was the lead architect for a while. I don't know if he still is at the moment. But he was very connected to the fan base and, and he was listening to what the fans wanted. And I, I, I do feel that with the way they've been building it, they are keeping in mind what Goodison Park has, you know, the, the core essence of what Goodison Park is yeah. and make it translate to the new stadium. Um, so, yeah, I don't think that's an issue at all for most people anyway, and it, certainly me. Um, it, it's mainly just about 
how we make sure that we're in a stable position before we move into that stadium. Because I don't want to move into that stadium having just survived by the skin of our teeth again, knowing we've got no money, and then we don't know where the future's going to hold. I'd rather be stable, secure, and then move into the stadium. But obviously, we're running out of time for that to be the case, and it doesn't look like that's going to be the case. Yeah, indeed. A lot of a lot of unanswered questions for Evertonians and fingers crossed they'll they'll hoping to get the, the positive news on all of those. And the final thing I want to ask you for this episode of Fans Feelings, we're gonna put this at the end because we always believe that when you're looking from the outside at other clubs, there will always be something the fans will say, that is a load of, and I'll let you insert whatever adjective you want there. So for this bit of myth busting, what would you say, Elliot, for Outsiders looking into Everton, what is the biggest load of nonsense or the biggest thing you would say, you hear quote that's just like, that's not true or the outsiders don't understand because they don't get the club. What would you put it as personally? Oh, that's a really tough question. Um, you know, my mind, my mind straight away goes back to the end of last season when there was all these protests and there was um, all of this, you know, furore about the board and people wanting change and, and there was a lot of I think a lot of fans from other clubs were looking at Everton thinking I don't understand what, what the uh, what the complaints are I don't understand why the, the yeah the money so spent for the dog coming yeah, yeah. Oh. <clears throat> I mean we talked about a little bit of that and, and how the money's been misused but it, it's, it's mainly I, I think also you get a lot of Sky Sports pundits who say wow all, all Everton fans want is this and all Everton fans want is that and they very rarely ever ask an Everton fan to give you their opinion on what they actually want um all we want is is a club that is moving in the right direction, that is stable, that is secure, that is managed properly. And on the pitch, all we want is players who are committed to the badge. And I think that has been something Everton fans, they want they want people that work hard and they want people that play attracting, attractive attacking football. Not really, not really. I mean, obviously, that's the ideal scenario. That's what we want to see. But what we need as Everton fans is people that want to play for the club. I think you certainly look at situations like Manchester United and you question the um, commitment that a lot of those players have because yeah. they are, they're big stars and I imagine you have egos that come with that. Everton fans just want players who want to be at Everton, who want to play, who are proud of wearing that badge. And that's about it. That's about it. And I'm trying to think off the top of my head if there's anything else. I mean, most of it is just people not understanding why the situation is as bad as it is. You know, I think there's been bad owners in the past. The Venkies of Blackburn Rovers were a good example, but there've been loads of people that, um, loads of clubs that have suffered from it, from poor ownership. Um, and Everton's isn't maybe so evident because we are not being quite literally stripped of all our assets. We're not relegated yet, but it's one of those where it's it's not so much about um, what we're what we've lost. It's it's the fact that we're so stagnant. There is no improvement. There is no communication. There is no hope in many ways, which is kind of dark, but it, it's how a lot of Everton fans feel at the moment. And it's why when we go to the game at the weekend or when we see um, results come in and it's another loss or it's another, um, not, it's more examples of drop points. It hits that much harder because you think where the club used to be and what the club used to mean to fans and the feelings it would give us. And it's now just been sort of ripped away. And I, I, I don't want to end on in such a, a dark note because it has been better this season and we are seeing improvements. And I think yeah. even though I'm still not completely convinced by Daesh, I think he has a lot to work on. He is making small improvements that are suggesting we're on the right path. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a tough one being an Everton fan, to be honest. It, it's certainly 
the toughest period of my life as an Everton fan. And football doesn't, it, 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 I find it tougher to enjoy a victory now than I used to because I know well, what's coming around the corner. Who have we got next? Where are we going? Are, are we safe? Are yeah. we, it, it's tough. But um, I think the one thing you can always say about Everton fans is they are resilient and they are loyal and they will always turn up for their team. And I think that's a massive credit to who we are as a fan base. Yeah, absolutely. And, well, it'll be an interesting few months ahead, won't it? Especially with everything that's coming on the field as maybe more off the field and charges, stadium ownerships, mm-hmm. general ownerships, funds, finances, suing. It's all drama at Evertonian. So the only thing it leaves me to say is, Elliot, thanks for your insights, mate. Thanks for your time. It's much appreciated. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been a, a pleasure. And as I said to you beforehand, um, it's always quite nice when you talk about Everton at length because you can, it, there brings a catharsis to it to so just to get it out and, you know, voice my frustration. So, uh, yeah, thank you very much for having me. Magic. And that, ladies and gents, was the first in our fans' feelings. Sports Social Podcast Network.